Solitude is the state or situation of being alone and in our context it's time alone with God. Time of quietness with God. In this sermon we share what to do in solitude and what solitude does to us. Practice solitude, time alone with God. Matthew chapter 8 verse 8 here we read is the account of a Roman centurion, a man who had many soldiers under his authority. He's heard about Jesus. He's probably seen, you know, some of the ministry of Jesus. He's heard Jesus heal, uh, that Jesus healed people and delivered people and so on. And so he comes to Jesus. Remember, he's a Roman. He's not a, a Jewish man. He comes to Jesus and he tells him that I have a servant. One of my servants is paralyzed. He's at home and he's dreadfully tormented. He's really troubled. And so Jesus offers saying, yes, I'll come and heal him. But the Roman centurion says... This in verse 8, Romans 8, um, Matthew 8 and verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Just speak a word, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And his reasoning is this, verse 9. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So he says, Lord, I understand something about how authority works. I am under authority, and I also have people under my authority. So I just speak the word. I just say, go, and they go. Come, and they come. And he says, in other words, he's saying, Lord, I recognize your authority, the authority that you're carrying. So all you have to do is speak the word. And my servant will be healed. All you've got to speak the word. Now, God has invested authority in us as believers. He's given us the capacity to have faith in him. So we are recipients both of invested authority that God has put in us as believers. And we are also people who have capacity for faith in God. And what we must understand is authority and faith are exercised one way. That these are exercised is by us speaking the word. Just say the word. Issue the command. You speak to things. Now, if you carefully follow the ministry of Jesus, he did speak to inanimate things. You know, he spoke to the wind, the waves, the tree. He, he did those kinds of things. He spoke to things in creation, in, in this created world. He spoke to things. And so we must understand that God has given us authority. He's put faith in our hearts. Faith and authority are exercised by speaking the word, saying what God says. And we can say things even to what is in this created realm, in this realm. So you speak over your circumstances, over your situations, over your body, over your finances, over uh, over troubles that might be arising. Circumstances speak words of faith and authority. Speak the word and you will see things happen. Issue the command that that, uh, release words of faith over your circumstances, your situations. When Jesus was in the middle of the storm, he stood up and he said, he spoke to the winds and the waves and he said, peace be still. He spoke to those circumstances. So I want to encourage us. God's invested authority, he's invested faith in our hearts. Let's release it by words that we speak. Let's stand up to our feet, please, at this time. We're going to make our declaration. We're going to say what God has said about us. Say it loud, bold, and strong.
Let's say this together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Shake hands to the, with the person next to you, in front of you, behind you. Uh, smile at them, give them your name, and you may be seated. All right, this morning, I want to spend some time talking to us about a practice in our Christian lives, something that we need to practice, we need to maintain in our Christian lives, and uh, it is something that's very important for us. But because of uh, the world we live in, the pressures, the demands that are upon us, we tend to sometimes just forget or just neglect that. I want to spend a little bit of time talking to us about solitude. Solitude. When we talk about solitude, we're simply talking about spending time alone, in peace, in quiet, in privacy. And in the context of what we're talking about, we're talking about time alone with God. Some of us are very scared to spend time with ourselves. So we always clutter up our time from the time we wake up in the morning. Even if nobody's there, we've got social media. You know, you still connect to the whole world. We've got things around us. And, and so we just clutter up our time and we really don't make space for solitude. So this morning, what I want to do is just share with us uh, the importance of spending time in solitude and also more, more on what do you do when you are in solitude? What do you do when you are in time alone with God? How do you spend that time? What do you do? And we will also see some things that happen to us as we spend time in solitude. We'll begin with Isaiah, the 35th chapter, verses 15. Uh, Isaiah 30 verses 15 to 18 is an interesting passage there. Isaiah chapter 30 verses 15 to 18. Now God is speaking to his people. Uh, if you start off from verse 1 of that chapter, you find that you know, God's people are really busy and they're in, in a lot of turmoil and so on. But we're just picking up these three verses, uh, four verses here from 15 to 18. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest... You shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. Therefore, you shall flee. And we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. One thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee. Till you are left as a pole on a mount, top of a mountain, as a banner on a hill. That's all alone by yourself. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. 
So God is speaking to his people and he tells them, and it's there in the midst of all kinds of turmoil and things that are happening. And he tells them, listen, I want to say something to you. In returning, as in coming back to me, in returning and in resting, you will experience salvation. Now salvation, we're not necessarily talking about you know, receiving forgiveness of sins as we understand the New Testament. But you're going to experience God's work of delivering, protecting, preserving, healing, all of that you're going to experience. When you return and rest. In quietness and confidence, in just being quiet and trusting, quietness and confidence, you shall be your strength. You're going to experience strength. So what's God's advice? What's God's word to his people? He says, I know what you're going through. I know all the turmoil and all the uh, uh, you know, impending attack of the enemy that's around you and all of that. I know all that. But here's what I want to tell you. You just come to me, return. In returning and in rest, you will experience my hand of salvation. And in quietness and confidence and trusting, you will become strong. But how, what was the response of the people? They didn't want to do that. They said, no, 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 we've got some plans, Lord. We've got some nice horses here. We will ride on our horses. And in fact, these are high-powered horses. We'll ride swiftly on our horses. And God says, fine, you flee. You know, you want to ride swiftly. The people who chase you will also be swift. Those who are coming after you will also be swift. In other words, look. And then he says, you know, a thousand of you will flee before your enemy. It means you're not understanding that your own lack of, uh, your inability to cope or rise up to the situation. I mean, what you're facing is much greater than you. Something greater than what you can handle with your own strength. And if you try it out in your own strength, you're just going to end up being like a little pole on a mountaintop just all by yourself. So that's what God is saying. And then he says, but, verse 18, therefore the Lord will wait. In other words, fine, you want to try it out on your own, go ahead. I'll wait for you to come back. The Lord will wait because he is gracious. And then he says, look, blessed are those who wait for him. Blessed are those who learn to wait. To come into this place of, of returning and rest, of quietness and confidence. Blessed are those. Now, I know that this is an Old Testament context. You're speaking to a people in a situation they were going through. But there's so much for us to learn from this. That even in our world, even in our present day situations... You know, we could find things that are, that are so big, so heavy, so challenging. And this is something we, God wants us to walk in. Just return and rest. Come to this place of quiet confidence. Put your horses away. Let them be. Let them, just leave them alone. You come to this place of solitude before God. And he says, if you do that, you will experience salvation. God's working in your life. You will experience strength. You will be blessed. So that's what will happen to you. Now, the Lord Jesus in his earthly ministry, he practiced this. As those of us, you know, as we read the Gospels, you'll find that time and time again, he went off into a deserted place. He went off into the mountain alone. He spent time in solitude with the Father. And he even taught his own disciples to do that. So I just want to pick one passage from there in Mark chapter 6, where the Lord tells his, his, his own disciples, are they all busy with ministry? And this is what he tells them in Mark 6, verses 30 to 32. It says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told them all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So they came back, you know, with their newsletter, news report, whatever. Lord, we've done all of this. Wonderful things are happening. Great crowds are coming and so on and so forth. Then in verse 31 it says, And he said to them, 
Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to. So he says, you know, all this is good, but you come aside into a deserted place, into a place of solitude and you rest. You need it. Come aside and... So even the Lord was teaching his disciples, you know, yeah, we have to be busy with ministry. We have to do the things we are called to do. But there's also this place that we must make, the space that we must make for solitude, to come apart and to rest. So I want to spend some time here this morning just to share a few things on what do you do when you spend time alone with God? And what can happen to us when we spend time alone with God, when you come into this place of solitude? Share a few things here. What do you do when you spend time in solitude? Number one, reflect. To reflect is to remember, to recount, and then to ponder on it, to muse on it, to analyze, to think through on things. Now, for most of us, we understand the importance of reflection in the learning process. So right from school days, you know, you have lab, you have, you know, physics lab, bio lab, chemistry lab, you go to do your lab work. So you're exposed experimentally doing something, but then you also have to write your lab report. That's your time of reflection. You're recording your observations, but then you've got to, your analysis, and then you've got to write down what you think about the whole thing. Your, your time of analysis and reflection. So we try to build reflection into our experiences as part of our learning process, and that's important. But what we also must do with the life with what we're going through with life, is also have time to reflect on life's journey. Because God is at work in your life, in your own personal journey with Him. He's at work. And it is in these times of reflection, when you draw out, you draw yourself aside into a place of solitude, and you reflect. You say, what am I going through? Sometimes you reflect back on several years of your life. You know, what, what has happened? What, is God, what has God been doing over all these years? Is there something He has been saying to me? Is there a pattern of His working? Or you look back and you see, you know, maybe you've gone through several struggles, but you've seen how God has brought you uh, time and time again. You're looking back, you're reflecting, and then you're drawing lessons from it. If we don't reflect, we will miss the lessons. Then all that experience, uh, uh, you know, will go waste. And I'm not saying it's meaningless, but you're missing the lessons because you're not reflecting on your life's journey and what God is doing in your life. So reflection in times of solitude is a time of great learning about God, about what He's doing in your life, about lessons He wants to speak to you. It's important to reflect. The psalmist is giving us a verse here in Psalm 143 verse 5. He says, I remember the days of old. I'm looking back. I'm looking at the days that we've come through. I meditate on all your works. I'm thinking about what God is doing. I muse on the work of your hands. I'm thinking about what, you know, hey, look at what God has done in my life. How he has led me, how he's guided me. I'm meditating on it. You need to reflect on what God has been doing in your life. Reflection is a time when you consolidate that learning into your own. You're solidifying it in your heart. I know this. I know God is. Now I know. I know how God works. I know what God is doing. So in solitude, you reflect. When you think about your circumstances, you begin to learn something about God and then you're able to uh, put that understanding, settle that understanding in your heart, in your spirit. A second thing we do in time of solitude is commune. 
Now, the word commune, English word commune, is used in many different contexts, but in the context we're using, commune simply has to do with a, a conversation, but it is deep, intimate, meaningful conversation. It's not like, oh, how's the weather up in heaven, Lord? <laughs> it's not like, it's not a chit chat, but it's deep conversation, heart to heart. The depths of within you are reaching out into the depths in God, heart to heart communication, right? Commune with God. You're sharing your thoughts, your feelings, your struggles. What are you going through? Whatever you're going through, you're just sharing with God. And as you're talking to him, you're also listening to him. You're receiving from him. Now, when we say listen to God, it doesn't mean there's a loud, thunderous voice, but it's just those simple understanding, insights that come into your spirit and you're saying, okay, God, this is what you're telling me. I understand God. This is what God is speaking to me. So you commune with God. It's a two-way experience. You listen to him and uh, uh, you speak to him and he, uh, uh, he speaks to you. Commune with God. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for Pour out your heart. What are you going through? Struggles. Things that you can't tell anybody else. Pour out your heart before him. Hold nothing back. Pour it out before God. Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations is speaking to the people who are going through a very difficult time. And he says in Lamentations 2.19, he says, Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Pour out your heart. Your deepest feeling, questions, confusions, challenges, struggles, whatever it is, pour out your heart before commune. So in your time of solitude, you sit before God, you're sitting quietly, or you know, in your, wherever you are, just sitting alone with God, you're pouring out your heart, just speaking your deepest longings, feelings to God. And then during that time, God is also imparting uh, understanding. He's speaking to you. He's bringing reassurance and strength into your heart. Our third thing we do in solitude is study. Study. When I say study, it's study the word. Studying God's word in solitude. Now, we people are highly distracted people. Every six minutes you have to reach out for that mobile phone. <laughs> Has any message come, any call? You know, what's the latest thing on Facebook? What's the Instagram saying? I mean, every few minutes. It's, and it's almost like that's normal for us. So we are actually very highly distracted. Our ability to focus on something for an extended period of time is very, in fact, is diminishing. It's getting less and less. But studying the Word really means you are focusing on the Word of God for an extended period of time. You're studying the Word. You're meditating on the Word. You may be reading a chapter, a verse, or a chapter, or a book, or a theme, or a topic. There's so many different ways that you can uh, just dive into the Word of God, but you're focused on the Word. You're studying. You're researching. You're exploring. You are uh, discovering things uh, as you're studying the Word. Uh, you're, you're, you're learning. You are Finding answers. And while you are studying the word, God is imparting to you wisdom, revelation. You're receiving new insights, understanding. You are encouraged. Hope is built. Faith is strengthened. All this happens when you are studying the word of God. But it's got to be done in solitude. Now, sure, there is group Bible study and all that. All that has its place. I'm not saying 
uh, discard all of that. But it's important for all of us to have times of solitude where you spend time studying the words in solitude. So that's the time you put your phone on silent, put it away. It's not going to distract you. It's not going to trouble you. Just leave it aside in the word. Things happen in our lives at that time. Just a few verses here from Psalm 119. That entire psalm is beautiful. It talks about the, the psalmist's love for the word and what happens. But I'll just pick out a few verses from that psalm, Psalm 119. Verse 15, he says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will meditate. I will think deeply. I will contemplate. I will think through on your word, on your ways. And he says, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your words. We'll jump through verse 97. We'll read verses 97 through 105. Notice what he says. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And he set aside the day meditating in, that word, in the word. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. So what's happening? Through the word, he's receiving wisdom, even to overpower his opposers, his opponents. Verse 99, I have more understanding than my, all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. This understanding being imparted to him through the word. I understand more than ancients because I keep your precepts. Verse 101, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. So what's happening now? As he's studying the word and, and, and examining the word, his steps are being kept from evil. Things are changing in his life. His choices are being affected. I've restrained my feet from evil. Because I'm hearing your word. I want to follow it. So now my decisions are being affected. I have not, verse 102, I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. So his time in the word is God teaching him. You yourself have taught me. So imagine God wants to teach you. But how? I'm studying the word. I'm meditating the word. I love this word. As I'm engaging with the word, it is God teaching me. God teaching you. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my... I mean like now he's, he's enjoying this. Enjoying the word. Wow, it's so good. Sweet. I'm enjoying it. I want more. Verse 104. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So now light and guidance and direction is coming into my life as I am studying the word. I'm examining the word, spending time in the word. So what do you do in solitude? Study the word. And all this comes into your heart in my life, into our lives as we spend time in his word. I just want to read two more verses there. Psalm 119 verse 148. He says, my eyes are awake through the night watches. That I may meditate on your word. I stay awake at night to meditate on the word. He's like, I, I, I'm putting in extra effort. I, I'm, I'm making a sacrifice here in order to study the word of God. A fourth thing we do as we spend time in solitude is to wait on the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Wait doesn't mean like, okay, God, I'm sitting here. Hope you come soon. God, it's been an hour. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's not just waiting. That's not waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord means you're spending time alone with Him and you're engaging in prayer, in praise, in worship, or in what we talked about in study. That's you waiting on the Lord. 
So you're praying. You spend some time praying in tongues. Pray a lot in tongues. You know, go, go into this place of solitude. They spend some time. Half an hour, an hour, two hours. Just pray in tongues. You're waiting on the Lord. Or you pray, or you sing, or you worship. Uh, and you're engaging with God. You're waiting on the Lord. What happens when you and I wait on the Lord? We are familiar with this, very, with this passage in Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31. It says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So verse 28 says, don't you know God? His strength is infinite. His understanding is infinite. Meaning, there is limitless. He's unlimited. His understanding, his strength. And then it says there in the next verse, verse 29, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So what he has, he's willing to give to those who do not have. So he's willing to give his power and his strength to us, we who are weak. He's unlimited in his strength. He's willing to impart that to you and me. He's unlimited in his understanding. He's willing to impart that to you and me. He gives power to the weak. He imparts his understanding. That's implied there. He's willing to give that to us. And he says in verse 30, Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young man shall utterly fall. So on the earth, on our side, our energy, our strength, it's limited. It's going to be going to run out of it. But then he says in verse 31, But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their so God's side unlimited. Our side, we are the ones who faint, grow weary, tired. Even the best ones of us, we're gonna run out of steam. But God is willing to give of his unlimited strength, wisdom, and he's willing to impart that. But how is that exchange going to take place? Verse 31. Those who wait are the ones who are going to receive, they're gonna draw out of his unlimited supply. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their, they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run, they'll not be weary, they will walk, they will not. So what do you do in solitude? You wait, you're praying, you're worshipping, you're being with him. What happens? His wisdom, his strength is imparted to you, right? Sometimes you may not have the ability to love somebody, you, you know, your boss. God, I can't, oh God. That's it. It's over. No more love for him. But you go back. You wait on the Lord. God is love. Unlimited. As you wait, your capacity to love is renewed. Go back to the office. Love your boss. Or whatever. Or maybe you're going through a challenge. You say, God, I am ready to quit. I can't handle this anymore. Sure. Even the youth shall faint. The young men shall utterly fall. Yes. We will all run out of our steam. But those who wait, go wait on the Lord. God. Give me the strength to keep running. Give me the strength to finish this course. Give me the strength to keep pressing forward. Those who wait on the Lord. Now you get back into your life situation. I can run. You can run. You can keep going. Because your strength has been those who wait. But waiting means solitude. Full attention on the Lord. You're plugging into Him. Drawing from Him. Solitude. You, I, we will be renewed. We can keep running. Walking without fainting. Two more things here as we wait on, as we talk about solitude. Number five is we wrestle with God. Now, when we use the word wrestle, you think of boxing gloves? <laughs> no. You know, the, when the Bible uses the word wrestle, it's not about us fighting with God as the God is our enemy. That's the wrong picture. But wrestling, as, 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 as portrayed for us in the Bible, is us 
taking a hold on God with such intensity that we are not willing to let go until we receive. That's wrestling. That your grip on God is so strong, so intense, that you're saying, God, I will not let go until you bless me. So Jacob wrestled with God. So don't think like, you know, he was sumo wrestling. That's, that's, it's not a physical thing. Because which of us could have more physical strength than God? When Jacob, when the Bible says Jacob wrestled with God, what was he doing? His intense, the intense desire of his being, he, he gripped God and said, God, I will not let go until you bless me. Hosea chapter 12 and verse 4 brings this, uh, verse brings this out for us. It says, yes, he, talking about Jacob, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. How did he struggle with the angel and prevail? This is how. He wept and sought favor from him. He wept and sought. So this was not intensity of strength, physical strength. It was the intensity of his heart. Pulling on God. Weeping before God. And seeking God's favor, God's blessing upon his. It's like Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. She was praying for children. The Bible says she prayed with great anguish of soul. It wasn't like, God, if you give me children, good. If you don't, it's okay. That wasn't her prayer. Because God, I must have. I will not let go until you bless God, and then, you know, there's definitely was so much emotion to it. Great anguish. I will not let go until you do this, Lord. That's wrestling with. And that's something you only do in solitude. In public, you know, public we all smile. Hello, hallelujah. But in solitude, you are holding on to God. God, you know how much I need. You know how much I really want to have. This is my life. But I'm hurting I'm hurting so much because it hasn't yet come. I haven't yet seen it. And only you know my heart. I'm crying out. You shed your tears. You're wrestling with God in solitude. In your time alone with God. The last thing, number six, what do you do in solitude is you rest. Rest means relax. I mean, you're not wrestling. You're not studying. You're not, you're not, you're not doing anything intense. You're just relaxing. Ah, you might just relax listening to some music. You might relax reading a good Christian book or just reading something light. You're not, you know, intensely doing something, but you're resting in God's presence. Now, in that time of solitude, as you rest before God, you and I are demonstrating faith in God. When you look at the Old Testament passages, and I'm not going to read these passages, Exodus 16, 23 to 30, and also Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 to 13, when God is telling his people about the Sabbath, which is simply a day of rest, in Exodus 16, 23 to 30, he says, you know, on the sixth day, you gather enough so that on the seventh day, you don't have to do any work. So it's actually an act of faith. Believing that what you've received on the sixth day is enough for you for two days. So you're going to rest. It's an act of faith. God, I'm going to rest. I'm going to cease from my labor. In Hebrews 4, it says, we enter into this rest by faith. It's a place of rest. So I stop just resting in God. And also rest the Sabbath. As we said in Exodus 31, 12, 13 is an act of consecration. So on that day, you're not doing anything but That day is consecrated to God. You're saying, God, I am yours. I'm coming before you. Consecration, the act of your consecration before God. So really when you and I rest, we're saying, God, I know there's so many things around me I need to do or things that need to be done, all of that, but it's okay. I am being still. I am here to just be with you. I am yours. 
It's an act of faith. It's an act of consecration. I am yours. Now, the challenge is we could be physically resting, but our mind is working. I find that that's a big challenge for me. Always thinking, you know, what to do, what to do, what to do. It's, you're always thinking something. So, stilling your soul is also important. You can still your body, <laughs> but you got to still your soul, your mind. Calm, just relax. Take it off of all the, you know, things that need to be done and all those things. Still, but it's an act of faith. Okay, God, I'm not going to think about all those things. I want to focus on you. Just rest it here. Just listen to some music that helps me focus on God. Or read something that will just draw me closer to Him resting. So, what do we do in solitude? We reflect, commune, study, wait, wrestle. So, what I want to leave us with this morning is practice solitude. Practice solitude. Try to do it daily. Maybe 30 minutes, if you have more time. An hour a day, whatever. It's up to you. But practice solitude. And you don't have to do all six of things, things every day. You know, so check one, check. <laughs> five minutes, wait. Five minutes. That's not the point. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, one day you might just be in a very reflective time. You're reflecting and you're maybe, it's a good when you reflect to write down. I like to write down. So you capture what you're, you're learning through reflection. Write it down. Another day you might spend intense study of the words. So, you know, you could do different things. I'm not saying you do all six or, you know, you might different things. Some days your time of solitude may be wrestling with God, crying out, tears are flowing, and just God, you got to do this. Some days you're just resting, just worship, relax in His presence. But build that time of solitude, if possible, into your daily life, daily. And then I'd also challenge us or encourage us to have extended times of solitude. Meaning this is more than like the half an hour that you might do or the hour you might do. Try if possible to spend a day or if several hours, three hours, four hours, maybe a day. At whatever frequency you can. You know, if you can do it every week, every month, every three months, whatever. But try to have extended times of solitude with God. Where you know, in, in 30 minutes, sure, God will still work in our hearts and all that. But you know, there are some things that, that happen when you have that extended time in His presence. You're able to process a lot more. And you're able to receive a lot more. Or we could use this analogy of marinating meats. Nowadays, we do have flavor enhancers that can, you know, you can maybe avoid the marinating process. Just enhance the flavor and send it out. But if you really want to marinate something, it takes time. So after you've massaged all the masala into the meat, the meat needs time to soak it in. So if you leave it overnight, it'll taste better. But it needs that extended time. So there are times when, when we need that to let the things that God wants to speak to us or the things that God wants to do in us, uh, uh, we need that time, that extended time in God's presence. So try to take Extended time of solitude, you alone with God, you do any of these things or a combination of these things we talked about and see how life changes. Because God said, in returning and resting, you will experience salvation. In that time of quiet trusting, quietness and confidence, you will receive your strength. 
So you can go out fully energized for the day or for whatever you're going through in life. You'll have the strength. You'll have the courage. You'll have the ability to keep going. Amen? Let's rise to our feet, please. I'll just request our worship team up. And uh, let's take a few minutes right now where you pray before God and say, God, help me to do this. I want to put it into my life. If possible, starting today or tomorrow or whenever. I want to have those times of solitude. I want to make space for that in my life and help me to do it. Give me grace to do it. Father, I just pray for each one of us, God, that we will practice solitude, practice being alone with you, engaging with you and letting you do a work in our hearts, our lives. And God, we pray that your grace will be upon us, God, giving us the strength to put distractions aside, to put all the things that pull on us, to put them aside and just come be with you in solitude, in your presence. Father, even this morning, right, standing right here in your presence, pray you will touch us and speak to us this morning individually, personally. Change things in us even as we stand in your presence, Lord. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me, and I. I'm 
desperate for you. Father, we just pray for refreshing, for your renewing, God, just to come upon everyone here this morning, that we will be refreshed, we will be renewed in our innermost being by your Spirit, that, God, we will have more and more times of renewing, times of refreshing as we come into that place of solitude, that we will understand how to be renewed, how to be refreshed in your presence, so that we can always remain fresh. We can always stay renewed because we spend time in solitude. We thank you. Pray for strength to arise in our hearts and our lives. The things we face, we will go from this place, God, renewed in our strength, renewed to face what we have to face to overcome, to conquer, to rise above challenges. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Practice solitude. Have a great week. Have a great time. God bless. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.